Welcome and thank you for joining us on this episode, episode 16 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. My name is Rob Marshall and this is a podcast all about the amazing stories and journeys of bookkeepers from right across Australia, brought to you by the Institute of Certified Bookkeepers. Bookkeepers helping bookkeepers helping business. This is an episode that features a bookkeeper all the way from Perth in Western Australia who has a story full of adversity and challenges that go way beyond what many of us have had to endure potentially in our lives, but also recognises that many, in fact, may be experiencing this now or can certainly resonate with. This is a story of making it out the other end and how family becomes so important to achieve that result. She is a multi-award-winning bookkeeper in our space and a person I think all will celebrate with. So join me now on episode 16 of Heart of the Bookkeeper as we hear the powerful, powerful story of Martine Hooson. We're going to uh, have a chat with somebody who is the founder, the director, and the CEO at a company called BookWiz Academy. It's right in my hitting zone because this person is in Perth, Western Australia, and her name is Martine Hooson. Martine, welcome to Heart of the Bookkeeper. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. We are so thrilled to have you, Martine. You are a uh, amazing person in our community, and some some may know you, some may not. Martine, we start off every episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper with a little thing that I call opening balances. Okay, we do the whole. Uh, you know, bookkeeping thing, and then we've got to finish with some closing balances because that's what you do, you know, when it comes to bookkeeping. So I'm going to hit you straight up right from the get-go on some uh, some opening balances here, just three quick questions. So first question, when I jump on Facebook or LinkedIn or any of the socials about Martine Hooson, the thing that grabs me the most is that you have this amazing love for family and you have this amazing connection with your family so what is it about family for Martine Hooson? Tell, tell us a little bit about your family. Well, I mean, of course, I've got my four kids who uh, at the moment uh, keep, keep me extremely busy, even my older ones. Um, I have my, my brothers, I have my incredible husband, I have my extended family. I think it's just it keeps you grounded um, when you have those tough times, those rough days, and you can come home, and then you you know you've got that normal stuff to deal with with kids and and that sort of thing. It just sort of keeps you very grounded. Um, family, I think, is really is everything to me. It's you know with what I've come from in the past, and then what I see my children being part of now, it, it really gives me a lot of joy. I've come to know Martine over a number of years, and I've got a little bit of a knowledge of of some of her past, and it's it's a it's a difficult story. So we're going to unpack a little bit about that as we go. But I also note one of the things that I do for Heart of the Bookkeeper is quite often ask a guest prior to the show if they've had it somebody who's really played a major influence in their life or played a big part in their life. And I love this answer from Martine. Without hesitation, she named her husband. Tell us a little bit about hubby. Well, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I um, hold my husband in such high regard. I sometimes get a bit emotional uh, when I when I do talk about him. He, he's just an incredible human being. Um, some of the 
uh, some of my friends get a bit sort of sick of hearing about, oh, yeah, we know he's amazing, you know. But, <laughs> you know, he's a guy who met someone who had a couple of kids already and, you know, the the impact that he's had in, in helping me raise them into men, he didn't have to do that, you know. So he's, he's, he's just... Um, People often call him a gentle giant. He's quite a, a tall guy. He's got these big, broad shoulders and, um, you know, he's just the most gentle, caring, uh, selfless human. And the fact that my kids, including my my two boys from my first marriage, have somebody to influence them in the way that he has, you know, they turn to him when, you know, when they want advice. He, he's just amazing. And I think I, I did write... He's one of those people where he, he, you just feel like a better person for being around him. Um, mm. Yeah, he's, he is definitely somebody that's influenced my life in the, in the way that he lives his life. Um, yeah, count my blessings every day that I've, that I've found him. I think I also said he, he, the day that I met him, I just felt safe being around him, which I think is amazing. So as a husband myself, I would absolutely you know, just celebrate if I could, uh, you know, be half the man that he is, hopefully by the sounds of it. So uh, Jackie might uh, argue that uh, I'm okay, which would be nice, but uh, yeah. <laughs> he does an amazing foot massage as well, so um, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> now, now, okay, no, that's that's probably just blowing me clean out of the water. If Jackie's listening in, she's going, no, that doesn't happen. So, all right, he's just set a bar that I'm going to have to try and get to. So, um <laughs> Hubby's name? Calvin. Calvin, yes, yes. Calvin and, and, the, and the kids. Gonna, yeah, got um, the kids. so I've got my older boys, Nathaniel and Jacob. So uh, Nathaniel being 29, almost 30, and Jacob, yeah. he's um, 26, turning 27. Then I've got uh, the two kids that I have had with Calvin, which is Grace and Isaiah, who are 14 and 11. Um, yeah. So, yeah, a bit Beautiful. of an age gap. Beautiful, and all into sport. Um, we're, uh, we're we're recording this in June, um, and it's a weekend that we're doing this recording. And Martine's doing this in between about fourteen different sports, <laughs> ranging from Joondal up down to Rockingham somewhere in Perth. She's running yeah. around everywhere. So, uh, yes, a, a busy lady is Martine. And but we're only at question one of the opening balances. So we've got to get get through these other two, and then we'll start to unpack a little bit this uh, this a bit more. So this is a bit about you I didn't know. Tell us about where you were born and where you grew up. This blew me away. I didn't know this about uh, Martine Hooson. So born in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, and then did a bit of moving around sort of up to about the age of six or seven and on farms and then um, settled in Hamilton, New Zealand when I was about six or seven years old and so did all my schooling in Hamilton and then when I was 18, uh, that's when I moved to Perth. So, yeah. Didn't know at all about the New Zealand journey. There you go. And you know, sort of the connection now is that, uh, again, I've mentioned my wife a couple of times already in this episode. Jackie was born in a little place called Patauru in New okay. Zealand. So not, not very far from you, uh, around about the same time. So there you wow. go. A little bit of a connection there that we've only just worked out today. So question three. Okay, this is a really tough one. This is one. This one's going to have you probably thinking. We, we're at a stage. We're in June two thousand and twenty-two. Borders are finally opening up. We're starting to see some sort of end of this pandemic, although it's still raging. And I'm flat on the back of just a, a week of COVID myself, <laughs> um, as you can probably hear, as the listeners can hear. Um, 
borders are opening up. People are starting to come back into Western Australia after we've been probably one of the most locked down states in, in the world. Tell everybody, what is your favourite restaurant in Perth and why? If people are coming into Perth, which restaurant do they have to go to? Now, noting that I did again stalk you on Facebook and you've got this photo of a recent visit to Nobu, I see. Of, you know, we're just we're talking, you know, not any restaurant here. Nice-looking piece of salmon or something you had going there from uh, photos I saw. Yeah. What's your favourite restaurant in Perth? We've got to give a recommendation to those listening in. Look, I, I think I do have to say it is Nobu. It is, um, I've been there a few times. Every time I go there, I just walk out completely satisfied with the food that I've eaten, the whole ambience and experience and all that sort of thing. So I think, yeah, it, it would have to be Nobu for sure. <laughs> Now, Nobu's at the Crown, is it, at, at the casino in Perth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, near the casino? Yes, yep. yes. Yeah. Yep. If yep. you're flying in, you, you might want to make your first stop off Nobu and have a nice meal on the way in. So And, and a cocktail. Uh, and a cocktail, yes. Yeah. So I've eaten there myself and I must admit I, I, I haven't walked out non-satisfied either. I absolutely loved it. So there you go. Let's get a little bit more into Martine Hooson and in particular, obviously, your, your journey to, to where you are now and your bookkeeping journey. You mentioned that you grew up in, in Auckland and, and in New Zealand and then moved to Perth sort of um, in your teenage years. Were, were there things, I ask this question regularly of our guests, were there things that you look back now in your early parts of the years that maybe you now recognise as has guided you to your bookkeeping journey or was it a, a case of, there was nothing that really gave any indication at all that you would end up being such a successful bookkeeper like you are. Never dreamed I would end up in the field that I'm in now. I was real creative growing up, so started learning classical music from a very early age, um, really into my art. And, in fact, before I came to Perth, I had applied for a job to learn art restoration at a museum right. in, Perth, in Hamilton and um, then sort of had this opportunity to come to Perth and I had family over here who I'd never met uh, and had recently just found out about so and then fell in love with Perth didn't, and so I didn't go back and, and take that job on. But, yeah, music and art, um, you know, I taught a little bit of music at a music school on Saturdays, which is where I started learning um, I've had art and exhibitions and, in fact, I was even looking at setting up a, a business painting babies' nurseries with murals because I had done it for a friend. And, <laughs> really? Yeah. And um, and it was, wow. yeah, that was actually my, you know, sort of the, the direction I was going to go. And, um, yeah, it's funny how things turn out. It, it is funny and this is one of the common threads that's coming through with so many of the the guests that we're having on Heart of the Bookkeeper is that, you know, bookkeeping is unique. There's so many occupations out there you hear, you know, you hear people speak about the fact that, you know, I know my wife, Jackie, she'll, again, she's getting lots of mentions <laughs> in this one, um, she'll tell you, you know, she, she recognised or wanted to be a nurse from the age of, you know, six or seven, she kind of remembers a moment where she pulled up at some traffic lights and saw a nurse in the cape and the nice hat and all that sort of stuff back then and went, that's what I want to be and that's what she's ended up being. Lots of people do. I think us as bookkeepers, there's not too many of us that have kind of gone, 
Yeah, from the minute we were, you know, six or seven, we just knew we were going to be bookkeepers. So uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Although I'm going to, I'm going to sort of argue that maybe art and music have a place in bookkeeping. I mean, we've heard in the last episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper, Michelle Grisdale will say that you know she can't do a bass without beating out some major, uh, you know, rock and uh, I think she listens to heart, a heavy metal. That's right, or yeah. something like that. You know, so music plays a part in what we do. And I would suggest I don't reckon. You know, you can argue with me if you like, but I don't reckon there's anything more artistic or beautiful than to see a fully filled out, handwritten, trial balance yeah. ledger. It just looks magnificent, I reckon. I don't know. Maybe I'm nuts, but uh, <laughs> I, I love the pencil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do up and frame it. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. I've got. I think I've got my first ever trial balance. You know, sort of that that actually balanced uh, somewhere at home. I think I might put it up and frame it. Actually, good call. So you sort of mentioned that uh, again. Um, you moved to Perth around about your teenage years. That was on the back end, and this is this is probably starting to get into some of the the, the harder parts of of the journey you've been on. That was on the back end of some some tough times growing up in New Zealand from, from what I'm led to understand and in particular um, some some connection with domestic violence. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I had that very, very early in my life um, up until about the age of seven That and I guess I just thought it was normal. I didn't know anything else. And, um, yeah, watching my, my mum live pretty hard, lived through some pretty hard um, situations, experiencing some pretty uh, horrendous situations myself. Um, don't know how much detail you want me to go into, but I mean, you know, by the age of seven, I had seen, you know, coming home to our house being taken to with an axe and furniture axed up and my dad hiding in the closet with an axe in his hand. And, you know, oh, luckily wow. the neighbours were there to sort of take control because we have, I look back on that and it's only recently I've looked back on that, you know, when I hear now about how far things can go and to know that, you know, he'd been hiding in a in a wardrobe in mum's bedroom with an axe after hacking up the furniture, you know, what, what was his actual intention? Um, it, it's, you know, it's actually later in life that I've thought about those things because when you grow up with something and you don't know anything else, you sort of think that that's how life is. So, um, yeah, I remember just being a really timid, um, shy little kid and afraid to speak because often I would speak and I would I'd just get a hit around the back of the head or or something. So, yeah, my mum my was very young um, when she had me. She, she went to a Catholic nuns school brought up, you know, quite strict Catholic family and had no idea about anything and, uh, of course, has um, has a baby at 17. So um, moved away. Dad, I think, got her away from family and friends and she was on her own and had three kids by the age of 21. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was tough. Um, so we got through that part and... Um, you know, my mum ended up okay. And I think um, I recently have only just started talking about this. And it's funny because years and years and years went by and no one in my family ever really talked about what happened. Mm. It was just really, it was like we just 
went on with life and, and nothing was ever discussed about what would, what happened. And I didn't think about it for a long time. It wasn't until um, sort of my 30s, early 30s, I, I think I had a little bit of a break. It was I, I don't know whether I suppressed it and mm. everything sort of all came out and um, and the reality of what we went through as kids and what my mum went through suddenly, you know, and all these memories and, and things all came out and... Um, but up until that point, no one really talked about it at all. And I think mm. that is, um, I think now I'm talking about it, I've recently sort of put it out there because you can have an amazing life after coming from really tough times. You can come out the other side of it and and have an incredible life, which I've been fortunate with. So, yeah, that was my early years. Um did that precipitate the move to Perth or was it a case of trying to get away from that or was there other reasons? Well, a few. My mum eventually met, did meet somebody else and um, it, it took a while. Part of the reason I got into music, mum got me into a music class with a group because I was quite terrified. I, I, I didn't like talking to people and, you know, it was trying to, to try and bring me out of my shell and, and then she'd met somebody a few years later who I ended up trusting um, and he became a real father figure to all of us and really look, looked after us. But I think the thing that sort of triggered things for me when I was 16, uh, he sort of really betrayed that trust with me um, without going into too much detail and due to that I moved out of home. I was sort of in this situation I didn't want to tell my mum what he'd done and I knew that she would be devastated. It was, you know, when you're 16 years old, um, that's just such a confusing thing to have to to, to, to deal with, such a, yeah. you know, overwhelming thing to deal with, to yeah. ha- try and have that conversation to tell your mum that somebody you trust has has really betrayed our entire family and my reaction was I I moved out and told mum I was moving in with, with a friend and and it wasn't for some months that I told her exactly what had happened. I eventually told her. So I was really self-sufficient from a very young age. At that point I was working a couple of jobs and um, I learned to be really independent from a very young age and then um, I started digging around because, of course, after my dad left when I was seven, um, he sort of disappeared and he'd actually moved to Australia. And But I also at that point lost all connection with his side of the family, the grandparents, uncles, aunts, everyone. That, that whole connection of that side of the family was gone. And I did a, started doing a big bit of digging around. I think, you know, when you're a teenager and you sort of start getting curious about, hang on, have I got any other family? Because it was just my brothers and I and two cousins, you know, and I was started getting curious. So I started sort of tracking down family in New Zealand and through that discovered I had half-brothers in Perth and uncles and cousins and aunts and I think I was really craving some sort of family unity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't come here, of course, to seek him out but I wanted to know about the rest of my family and that that's actually what triggered me to move to Perth. And I wanted to get away. Um, it was meant to be a, a 
three-month stint, but I think deep down I, I just wanted a clean break. I wanted a fresh life and away from from the memories and, and you know. Mm. I, I think probably what we're, what we're hearing now is is going right back to the start of the podcast, why, why you value family so much and obviously Kelvin's come into your life and restored, thankfully, you know, some... some um, faith in men, I suppose, yeah. given that you've had, had a real journey there where a lot, you know, a few trusted men had let you down. So um, yeah. I, I haven't I haven't met Kelvin, but I'm already in awe of him as you are by the sounds of it, because um, to do that must have been, you know, tricky for him to a degree, you know, um, to come in and, and deal with 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 the scenario you've been through, and uh, and I got to say thank you for sharing that with us. That's that, that's obviously difficult, and I can tell the listeners that you know it's very emotional for you to even try and bring that out now. Um, but thank you because I know that there will be many tuning in who've who've probably been on similar journeys and uh, or maybe in in the journey right now, and need to know that there can be some good that comes out the back end as hard as it can be at the time. And I'm sure there were times where you must have really despaired and wondered where your life would end with with that happening, even though it wasn't necessarily being discussed at the time. Would I be right? It wasn't. It, was, it wasn't discussed. It, yeah. Even with what happened, you know, when I was 16, it was just brushed under the carpet. Um, it wasn't really acknowledged in any way. So... Yeah. It, yep. yeah, very confusing and, um, you know, my life could have gone really in a different direction uh, to how I've ended up having my life turn out. So, um, you know, but what doesn't kill you well, makes you stronger, right? <laughs> well, good. I love that. Yes, yeah, that's, uh, that's one that gets toted out a bit and in your case that is so true um, because I know how amazingly strong you are and that, that clearly has happened and yet again thank you for I know you you have blogged a little bit about this and you have sort of mentioned that you are starting to open up about this and and some people will hear a story and 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 may find it awkward but I think you're going to find a majority need to hear your story Martine and it's 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 wonderful that you're willing to share given that you have been on that and and it didn't exactly go to plan even after you arrived in Perth because you you met somebody married and, and that didn't kind of work out either, is if yeah. I got that right? So look, yeah. I met uh, my ex-husband uh, I think when I was 19, so I'd been in Perth for about a year, fallen in love with Perth. I, I really did did love it here. And How can you not? Yeah. How can you not a, fall in love with My Perth? brothers followed <laughs> followed after me not long after, so my, my two brothers over the next two years after I moved over, one came over and then the other one came over and they fell in love with it as well. But um. Yeah, I met my first husband when I was about 19. He's massive family. Like he's got, he's a family of nine brothers and sisters um, and really beautiful family. So I think I just fell in love with that feeling of family, the closeness. They partied together. They, every Sunday was a big family lunch and and feeling part of something that was so um warm and they were all just so involved in in each other's lives and uh, I fell in love with that and um, and yeah so I, I did marry young we got married at 21 uh, very young I would 
As we did back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a 21-year-older, I think, when we got married. Yeah. So, but yes, yeah. I, I think I'd, I felt ready at the time and I don't have any regrets. Um, I'd gone through a lot. I had gone through a lot through my youth. I had been self-sufficient from such a young age. I'd moved to a country where I didn't know a soul. I knew that I had people that I was going to meet here, but I, I had never met them. And, um, you know, I set myself up with a job and settled, settled in over here. So I felt like I had lived a lot. And at the time I felt ready. And I think I that feeling, family unity I fell in love with. Um, and in spite of what happened after our marriage breakdown, he's not, I'll always say, he's not a bad guy. He was a good guy. You know, he was raised in a good family, um, but definitely had different ideas on what we thought marriage should be or a partnership should be. Um, right. And obviously had the had Nathaniel and Jacob. I had uh, Nathaniel at 22 after being told that I probably would never be able to have kids naturally. So um, that was a surprise. Um, and then uh, Jacob came along when I was 25. And by 28 I was divorced. Um, yeah. Just different... I just changed. I knew I, I felt really unhappy. I knew that I, and he wanted me just to be that that stay-at-home wife and I just craved for so much more and I was doing some study and I was, we had a, we actually had a business together. We bought a, a business together and, um, you know, he wanted my, and as important as family is, I craved to have my own thing. We had a, had that business together, but that was really his baby. And that's where I sort of got into the bookkeeping. Um, We actually had an accountant who used to come once a week and he was the retired accountant for Tip Top Bakeries actually. He used to come out every week and I learned, he used to come out and teach me how to do bookkeeping in the old um, manual cash book all the ledges, and that's how I started off. There's that artwork coming into play, yes. Yes. Beautiful, love it, yeah. Those big green legends, yeah. (laughs) Listing everything in, and um, so did that for a little bit. But I was also studying as well, and um, so then a little bit down the track, um, obviously got MYOB, and you know we'll probably delve into that a little bit a bit later. But yeah, I guess the marriage broke down, and um, and then I I did go through a really tough period after that. He was he was quite devastated. He didn't want our marriage to end, but I I was really unhappy. Um, yeah, you know when you I sort of explain it to people because they sort of say, oh well, you know if you still cared about him because I didn't care about him. If you still cared about him, why couldn't you make it work? But I sort of likened it to I cared about him like he was my brother. I knew that I was just really unhappy, and uh, I had to to get out of that. But his reaction to ending that, it, it took him a long time to get over it and his process for getting over it was to make my life as difficult as possible for a while because it, he thought it, it would make me go back to him. Mm. So mm. I had those, yeah. And I suppose, you, you know, then suddenly you're in the world of being a single mum and trying to deal with that. So the challenges that, that come along with that and we've had a had a few guests along the way on the on the podcast that have explained how difficult that can be I think it's 
a little bit different for men, but certainly for the ladies, you know, it, it throws up a whole stack of challenges that just make life hard and tough. And yeah. I'm guessing that happened happen for you for a, for a while as well. So you mentioned that, yeah, the, the bookkeeping started to creep in then. So was that the moment? It, it sort of was around that time, yeah. So I mentioned that with when, when we had the business together, I actually decided a little bit in that, okay, I want to um, get us onto this new computerised accounting stuff. So version two of MYOB. <laughs> yes, and That's going um, back a bit. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and the the accountant that I mentioned who used to come out, he actually made me run the the manual system alongside MYOB for a whole yeah. year because he didn't trust the new computerized. Yeah, <laughs> bless trust him. It. So so yeah, that um, I do, then obviously when I did some MYOB courses at that time, and I had. Um, been doing my business studies as well. So yep. when all of that other stuff fell apart, um, at that time I'd actually had a number of people in who I knew in the industry that we were in, so we had actually had a sign writing business, and they were sort of saying, oh, you know, you, you're using that new, because they used to see all of a sudden we were having these nice-looking invoices coming out to them instead of the old handwritten thing that we'd been using prior. And, on, your dot, on your dot matrix printer, was yeah, it? You know, yeah, that. yeah, three <laughs> triplicate copy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I started having people sort of saying, oh, you know, we're looking at getting this MYOB thing you know, or mind your own business is, is that yeah. they were actually calling it back then. And um, yeah. could, do you reckon you could come and set it up for us? So I was actually doing that. It was actually going out and setting them up with MYOB and then suddenly they would say, oh, can can you help us out with a bit of the bookkeeping? And and it, I'd really just, it just sort of um, very organically evolved. And then at the time that the marriage broke down, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have a business anymore and I don't have an income anymore because, you know, my income was with the business that I had with my ex-husband and I'm suddenly in this situation. I've got two young boys that I've got to support. I was at a point where I was living on rice and sausages pretty much because I couldn't afford, Mm. um, Mm. you know, I was really, really broke um, and Mm. I wasn't getting any financial uh, support from anyone and, it was just an organic thing that was like, well, I can actually make this a business and, and that's what happened and that's, that's really how, how I ended up doing what I have done for the last 25-odd years. I'm, I'm probably going to call out the fact that I reckon if there's any, any listeners in that are probably mid to, mid-40s to, you know, 60s, it's an interesting thing for us all to now reflect back on. Anybody possibly a bit younger than that or those coming through now um, have the, the Cert 4 to do and have something to really focus in to then develop their bookkeeping practice or where they're going to go. But for many of us, it was just a lot, a lot of cases it was stumbling across some software like MYOB and discovering that, yeah, we, we can do this, but also then finding having other people observe that like you said, and go, hey, you know, what about helping me out? Because I don't know anything about this. And this looks amazing what you're doing. And that's sort of how we built on it and how the journey has gone. I think there's a lot that will resonate with that that story, that what you've just unpacked there as being 
you know, that that's kind of how it developed for me as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, GST came in in 2000 and that sort of changed everybody's thinking and focus and where where we could go with this. And certainly, as, as I've explained a few times, and this is your story, not mine, but that's very much that pivotal moment, the GST 2000, you know, I talk about going from 20 clients to 200 clients in the space of a day nearly because it yeah. just went nuts, absolutely nuts. Oh, it did. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy time. And, of course, with your MYOB journey, um, you know, you, you sort of really took that to another level and I'm going to I'm gonna take a guess here. Don't prompt me. I'm going to take a guess. Was it 2015, 16? Dean, you were named MYOB Partner of the Year, Australian Partner of the Year, if I got that right, uh, or am I a bit out of... 2016, I think, yeah. 16, yes, yeah. I that think we're on the Gold Coast. Yeah, we, weren't we on the Gold Coast? We did the whole Hawaiian yeah. theme thing. I think it was yeah, the but... Rio Olympics had just happened. That's correct, yes, 2016, you're right. Yeah. So for the listeners, MYOB, if you're not uh, sort of in tune, have... Uh, for going back to 2011, have named a, a, an Australian Partner of the Year. We call them a potty, um, a partner of the year. And uh, jo- uh, Martin joined the crew in 2016, a bit of an alumni going on, or we like to think it is anyway, yeah. don't we? So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you certainly took that version two and took it to a whole new level. By yeah. 2016, you were recognised as one of the best in Australia when it came to that particular software. Um, so... And we'll talk a little bit more about an even more exciting award that you've just recently uh, been named for in in a moment. Um, when when you met Kelvin um, and things started to come together, is that when you sort of really grabbed that opportunity to blossom with your own, you know, yeah. work and your own your own um, practice, if you want to call that? And what was your first alliterations of that? How did that form? And how did BookWiz come about? So it was really, uh, I think, as you said, when GST, with GST coming in, that was when it sort of really hit home to me. This is, this is something that I can really build here. This is uh, going to crea- create revenue. It's going to give me flexibility to be a mum and as well as to be able to, to build a business and a career. And, mm. you know, back way back then people didn't see bookkeeping as a career and it really is. Um, and I, I, I actually, I encourage people to say we're actually business advisors um, because obviously, as you know, the whole industry has just taken on a whole life of its own with the evolution of, you know, with the technology that that we now also have to be well versed in to, you know, to stay ahead of the game. But um, it was really in, it, when GST came in, and I was just sort of getting more and more people reaching out to me just through connections or word of mouth. And then, of course, I was connecting with their accountants, and then I started having all these accountants just all out contacting me saying, oh, we've got this client, can you set them up, you know, and um, it just really took a life of its own. And I do remember getting to the point, I got so busy and I grew so quickly and I remember sitting there at about 2 o'clock in the morning and I just had a full breakdown. I It was mm. just so overwhelming with the amount of, of work and I used to work through the night until the wee hours of the morning because I had kids things to do and and that during the day um yeah and I I do remember having 
getting to the point where it was so hectic and that was that was what triggered me to start employing. Um, I'm like, oh, I can't, this is just too much, I can't handle it. But, yeah, I was, um, yeah, really amazed at how I was able to build. But it wasn't until I received Partner of the Year because back then you didn't, nominate or you didn't go through a process it was just sort of flung upon you I had mm, no idea mm, it was mm. I was in shock I, I don't I, mm-hmm. I cringe to hopefully nobody recorded anything on stage because I think I was just blubbering I couldn't even speak because um, I had no idea that it was happening and because I had had the young kids I had never up until that point gone to the big conferences I used to go to a few local things and I didn't I wasn't even aware that there was a partner of the year until the year before that. The year before that was the first conference that I went to. I had no idea all of this stuff happened. (laughs) And then, um, and I thought I was just this small little, tiny little nothing business. And the shock uh, of of receiving that award, um, and I think... (laughs) embarrassingly I went and spoke to Tim Reid the next day trying to explain to him what it meant to me because really I and I tried to say to him that I I sort of have MYOB to thank for getting me the life that I had been able to build and be able to be self-sufficient and have this career because it sort of really evolved from just getting on board with MYOB in those early days. I couldn't even speak to him. I was just crying. I made a fool of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it helps, if it helps. um, (laughs) Some know um, that uh, I was the inaugural uh, MYB Australian Partner of the Year back in 2011. So you you talk about shock. It had never been done before at all. And at a big conference in Brisbane, over a 1,000 people, it was the... 20th anniversary, I think, of MYB starting from memory. So it was a huge event. Yeah. Um, there is a, <laughs> well, not a famous photo, but there is a photo that many have seen of me going up on stage to uh, accept the award. And it looks like I'm actually giving Tim Reid a kiss <laughs> on, in the photo <laughs> where, where our face is very close together as I shake his hand. But the reality is, no, I don't think I've ever told this story before. It's actually me whispering in his ear because they announced my name, and I just stood, there, I just sat there like you in shock, absolute shock. Yeah. And it, and I, the photo is actually me whispering in his ear, Tim. I think you've made a mistake. You've got the wrong person. <laughs> That's what, exactly what I said to him because I was in shock. I'm thinking there must be another Rob Marshall somewhere in Australia, and they've got the wrong dude. You know. So it was. Uh, yeah, I can I can attest to the fact that it. Uh, <laughs> It certainly was one of those moments that was, yeah, for me and obviously for you it was life-changing. So It, it was. Um, I never imagined that I would receive any kind of recognition for what I was doing. It, you know, it's yep. crazy to yep. me. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a surprise to me and certainly a few others because we we knew of uh, what a, what a star you already were in the in the bookkeeping world and what you were doing with MYB in Perth. It was uh, it wasn't so much of a shock to us, and we were absolutely thrilled to uh, induct you into our little exclusive club that uh, continues to grow. And we celebrate it each year when somebody else joins us. When you sort of came back from that, and and then obviously things really did blossom from there. One of the things that I really want to tap into as we start to get towards the latter part of this particular episode, you, you've told me on um, a couple of occasions that we've spoken on the phone and then I know you've, you've also sort of blogged about this, 
that you feel really strongly about women having financial freedom and independence um, and, yeah. and you've added a couple of times both in and out of marriage. We want to really emphasise that. Yeah. Um, we're celebrating marriage and we're celebrating family, but not everybody finds themselves in that situation. So, um, you know, you'd seen your mum and what had happened with her and uh, and after the marriage and, and, and as you've explained so bravely today already, you know, that you've experienced some of that yourself. Does that flow into the passion that you have now and what you would love to see, you know, and especially I guess if I draw a long bow, that, that obviously brings in the mental awareness conversation as well. Yeah. Um, you want to share a little bit about where you find yourself with that now? Look, I mean, the, seeing what obviously, as you mentioned, what happened to my mum, I mean, she ended up with three young kids, no job. She hadn't even been able to finish her education and then watching her over the years, you know, having to, to do all of that um, and knowing that she really struggled. And then myself coming out of my marriage and we'd had a business together, we'd actually bought a house together and I walked away from everything. I actually walked, just completely walked away and I think I, I didn't want to go through the battle because uh, I still actually did care about my ex-husband and I didn't didn't want to sort of have to up the business and the house and all that sort of thing. And I just, inside myself, I thought I can... I can actually, you know, rebuild my life here. But it was so hard. I, you know, I didn't have savings. I wasn't getting anything from him because he was trying to, you know, force me back and that was yeah. you know, his way of, of cutting me off financially. And, um, you know, the, the reality is so many women give up careers or, you know, furthering their education to have family and that also means they're foregoing things like superannuation um, and that sort of thing. And I now feel very, I mean, my husband and I, we have our own bank accounts. From day one, we've had our own bank. We have, you know, we have money that comes out of our bank into it, what we need for to pay the mortgages and a bit of savings and that sort of thing. But what he does with his money is his choice. What I do with my money is my choice. And I think that's really how it needs to be. Uh, women need to be able to have control, uh, whether they're in or out of marriage. They should be able to come out of a marriage and still be able to have that financial security and know that they've got that freedom and, and choice about money in a marriage as well as after a marriage. Um, but then all that as well, that you know, lack of having superannuation. I know there's a lot of things happening to, you know, close the super gap. Uh, between, you know, from what women have. But I look at what my husband's going to have in super and because for many years, you know, before I became a company, you know, I, I was just taking drawings. So, you know, I'm really working hard now to build up for my retirement and we seem to yeah. have to work so much harder. Yep. And the women that come out of a marriage later in life where they perhaps don't have super and they suddenly, you know, have to fight to try and, you know, get financial security. Um, so yes, I'm very passionate about being very um, vocal to all women I know, you know, you must have financial independence, whether you're in a marriage or whether you're out of a marriage. Um, you know, if you are a, a woman, a woman who is a stay at home mum, that's a job, you know, so you should still be having a say with what happens with the money and, and having some control over that. Would you say that 
you know, you've also had to build on the back of the fact that I know um, anxiety is, and rightfully so now that we know your story, or obviously only know a little bit about it, but certainly that journey would bring about anxiety. And I know I've spoken to a lot of other uh, women who find that, you know, certainly branching out and trying to make that move into starting your own career or starting your own bookkeeping practice or whatever it might be, it's it's a very anxious time, a stressful time. There is the overwhelm that you can feel from um, worrying about money. It it can be consuming and I've experienced that that consuming feeling of waking up at night with panic, wondering how you're going to put food on the table, Um, you know, how am I going to create income for myself and, you know, support my children and pay the bills and all that sort of thing. So I I have definitely had periods of time in my life where I've had quite overwhelming panic attacks and anxiety and a lot of it came down to worrying about my future, my financial situation and being able to provide and give my kids the life that they deserved. Um, it, yeah. It, yep. It's an overwhelming feeling worrying about whether you can put food on the table the following week. It's it's awful. I can absolutely resonate with it. I've shared a few times about uh, the the journey I've had where I've I've spent many a uh, a time on the on the back patio after the kids have gone to bed and Jackie's gone to bed or whatever and I'm not afraid to say I've bawled my eyes out because I've gone I don't know what you know I don't know where tomorrow's going to what tomorrow's going to bring and how I'm going to provide. So yeah. um, it definitely resonates with me and I suspect it will resonate with a lot of people. Your story is 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 very inspiring, Martine, and I love um, the fact that you've been so willing again to share some of this. It's not just on the podcast because I um, I absolutely delighted in looking at a, a LinkedIn blog that you've just brought out recently and I'd encourage everyone, if you haven't gone in and checked it out, uh, where you've called out to a degree the well-being of a bookkeeping practice and a team. In fact, I'm going to read from your blog, if that's okay, where you've said, uh, uh, I'm calling it a blog. I think it might be more your newsletter. I'll I'll get you to clarify that in a moment. But you've said uh, this is in relation to the end of the financial year. Now, we're, uh, we're, we're doing this recording in June, in the latter part, mid to latter part of June. So we're coming up to that really stressful time in every bookkeeper's journey each year. It can be very stressful. And certainly if you run a practice, which many of our listeners do, and you've blogged and you've said your well-being and that of your team comes first and foremost when it comes to end of financial year. You should be putting just as much thought and preparation into how you are going to mentally prepare for end of financial year as you put as you put into your systems and workflows. Now, ironically, we've just finished the ICB uh, online seminars where we put a heavy focus on systems and workflows and making sure and reconciliations and all that sort of stuff, which is really important. We're not diminishing that. But what you're calling out here is that there's also that aspect about you and your well-being and, and how you deal with it so that you don't you know, fall over um, yeah. because your client, your clients are relying on you, your business owners are relying on you. You go on to say, so how are you going to keep your energy up, fill your cup, manage capacity, take a break, celebrate the wins, unwind, avoid burnout and support each other? I love that. So that's what you've written. 
have you got some insights into the answer to that? What have you found to be able to to mitigate that crazy time? I've talked about it for 25 years or more now, that last couple of weeks of June, probably well into July, I would suspect many of us work harder for that month than we do sometimes for the other 11. It's just can be nuts, can't it? Oh, it, it is nuts. And look, it's always going to be busy. No matter what you do, it's always going to be busy. And, and I guess, yes. first of all, you just got to accept it is going to be busy, but it's about how you prepare for it. And if you do have a team, I mean, I just had a conversation. I went and um, had a catch up with one of my one of my amazing team members yesterday, actually, and she's been with me for probably seven and a half years and she's very stressed at the moment. And I just said to her, you know, at the end of the day, you don't have to say yes to everything that the clients are requesting. And it's about communication. And I think communication is probably the key. I mean, we're going to be having, uh, we've already got scripts um, in place so that we're going to start getting those out to our clients to let them know. I mean, this year is especially busy. Um, This coming into financial year, there's extra stuff. Um, And we're just saying to them, you know, we're going to have our out-of-office replies on because we do have those additional things. And we you have to just map out what is the priority and what can actually wait. And if somebody is unrealistic, you can say no. And I think saying no is something, and I don't know whether it's a bookkeeper thing, uh, but <laughs> it seems to be nobody in our industry feel, they feel like they have to say yes to everything because they don't want to up upset the client and yes our clients are very valuable to us uh, but we're also very valuable to them and absolutely um, yeah but they don't necessarily know what we go through and if we're not communicating to them what we do go through they're actually not going to understand so yes they might seem that they're being unrealistic but it's really probably they don't fully understand what we go through. So if you can communicate that to them and you have your out-of-office replies that explains, you know, and for us we'll say if it is urgent, here is where you need to pop an email through and somebody will attend to it. And it just takes that pressure off because I think we all feel we've got to respond to every email and this and that and the other and we just have to give ourselves a break and look at your capacity because I think if 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 this is a regular thing in every, every end of quarter as well, you, you sort of have to look at your capacity and, and have a think about delegation and, and that sort of thing as well. But my main, my main tip would be communicate so people actually understand this is what we're actually going through. And hopefully at some point there'll be a bit of relief in the deadlines. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can see you've got the fingers crossed. Yeah, I think we all do that. We cross fingers and toes and stuff like that. The deadlines can uh, be all-consuming, the, the powers that be maybe should be... Uh, Having a look at that and seeing if they can do something. Well, there's a subtle message. There. <laughs> yeah, there's a subtle message. Yeah, just on behalf of a friend or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Um, I, look, there's some absolute gold in there, and the word I'm hanging on to that I, I probably haven't really cottoned on to, but absolutely resonates is that word communication. I think we we t- turned a coin. Uh, here we go. We coined a term here at EBS many years ago. So when I, the height of my practice was, I think we had 13 in the team and we coined a term that what we called the tyranny of the urgent, which is basically those clients who just, they, they think everything has to happen for them at that moment. 
and nothing else matters. So we had to come to understand that, that that's how they feel. So we can't change that, but it's how we mitigate that that made the difference. And uh, like you say, that communication piece is really the key to that, where you sit down with the client or the business owner and say, look, it, we're just it's just not going to happen exactly in the timeframes that you are expecting or wanting it to. But here's the facts. We can do this, this, this and this and we'll be compliant. Everything will still be on time. We'll get there. It's just maybe not going to happen in the next half an hour or whatever. And once we kind of started to do that as a team, we noticed the stress levels go down a little bit. There was still plenty of stress. Don't worry about it. Uh, my, my main mitigation for the team was that for all those years, I used to offer the carrot that we would go, I would take all the ladies, because they were all ladies, um, myself and my brother would take all the ladies away for a retreat at the end of July that we would pay for. So they would just, you'd hear the girls saying, we just got to get through two more weeks and then we get in the spa down at Bustleton, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, that was the thing that sort of kept them going and kept them going. So, uh, And that's great. That it's the reward, good. isn't it? People, yeah. you know, yeah, you go through those times, but if there's, if there's reward and you're appreciated at the end of it and, you know, you've got to appreciate your team and, and everyone that contributes to getting getting you uh, through that, that busy period and that's your family as well, you know. Um, and I say communicate with your family, you know. Yes, yeah, that too. If you've got to get yeah, a few sure. extra takeaways, if you've got to get someone to come and help you with your laundry, uh, put things in perspective. It's not it's not a big deal if you didn't quite get to vacuuming that day without um, no. <laughs> giving yourself a break. So <laughs> That's brilliant. So if you haven't already tapped into it, you know, go and have a look at uh, you can subscribe, I think it is, to the BookWiz Book newsletter. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so, you know, on LinkedIn, I saw that yeah, today. Yeah, just on my LinkedIn yeah. page. Yeah, go and check out Martine Hooson and, and Bookwiz on LinkedIn and there's some there's some other gold on there um, that uh, I'd encourage you to absolutely have a have a look at. And uh, I'm we're gonna start to wind this up in a moment, but um, just just Bookwiz, the organization you've got now, you know, you're very you're obviously very happy with how things are, are going along there and you know, there are things that you sort of have learnt from that you're now doing differently and, and working with. Yeah, so we've obviously got the two divisions now. So obviously I've still got my bookkeeping practice um, and that's yep. ticking along really nicely. I've got a beautiful team um, working for me at the moment and, yeah, systems and processes and, I mean, it's a, it's always a learning journey, isn't it? Yeah, you know, there's constant is. learning all the time. Yeah. And my franchise model, um, I've moved over the, now that over to a membership model. So we have Book Quiz Academy, uh, which is really about creating a, a supportive community uh, under a membership-based system rather than I found that with my franchise model, it was so limiting. And I've got so many years of things that I love to share with others and I've found that yeah. through Book Quiz Academy I've got a far greater reach. Um, it's... A lot less work to manage, but uh, I can, you know, everything that I've learned over the years, I'm really loving sharing and, and helping others have the same successes that I've been able to enjoy. And uh, hopefully, and I've learned some tough lessons along. I've made some horrendous mistakes in my th things. I look back, you know, in different areas of my business, uh, and I because I didn't, I didn't have anyone in back in those early years. I don't know about you, Rob, but there wasn't yeah. really the support network like we have now, 
Uh, yeah. I, every, everything was trial and error for many years yes. for me. Yes. So taking all those lessons and, you know, being able to share the stuff-ups that I've made because I think people <laughs> like to hear the stuff-ups. Yes. Um, but yeah. hopefully that helps others sort of get to their, um, hit their success a lot sooner by, you know, avoiding some of those same mistakes or, or something that they can take yep. away that's going to help them achieve success in their own practices. And talking of networks, I can't help but mention, you know, for those of us who sort of, I'm, I'm afar from Perth because I'm down in Bunbury, obviously, for those who are listening in and don't know, I'm a couple of hours south of, of Perth. So I sort of look from afar. There's this kind of this dynamic trio in Perth. They're known <laughs> as Martine, Brooke and Jen. Uh, that's your network, isn't it, that you're referring to, joy, I reckon? Yeah. You, we call ourselves yeah, the joy spot. <laughs> the joy spot. Yeah, you guys, you, know, you have... You've taken that whole networking to a whole new level. So, uh, and again, uh, you can check out a few uh, amazing photos of the ladies on uh, on Facebook and that. They, Maybe uh, not. They, they, they take bookkeeping and they enjoy it. They absolutely love it. So, uh, well, work hard, yeah. play but, hard, but I say. Play hard, yeah. But those, those two in particular, and there are others in Perth. Perth, you know, is a, is a great place for the bookkeeping community. There's plenty who who are willing to share and, and, and enjoy each other's successes and, like you say, you know, sort of call out the stuff-ups as well. Yeah. Um, but certainly Brooke and Jen have been a great, uh, great, great, great friends more than anything, haven't they? They, we actually met at uh, an NY, well, we were sort of connected in an NYOB dinner and it, it was almost like an instant. We, we really didn't know each other. I think I'd met Jen once or twice, um, but... Um, yeah, something happened that night and, yeah, ever since then. And it's funny because we sort of really should be our fiercest competitors but we just don't see each other that way. And I think that is women supporting women and enjoying each other's successes and being there through the highs and the lows. And the three of us have definitely had our low points and we've been able to turn to each other and I think it's really important. It is quite, an, you can be quite isolated in our industry, especially if yes. perhaps you don't have a team or you're not at that stage yet. And yep. it, it is a stressful career path. The deadlines, I think we have more deadlines than most other, you know, especially if you've got a lot of payrolls and, you know, it's just so stressful and being able to have a support network, network who actually get it um, yes. Because even though I've got obviously my friends outside of the industry, I will always turn to those two because I know they just absolutely get what I'm saying and they're just going to be able to, to you know, make me feel better. It, it might just yes. be a, a cheeky comment or it could be something really supportive or it could be an idea, but you just feel better by having somebody who gets what you're saying that you can turn to. And I'll call it out if you um, if you you've only just sort of discovered heart of the bookkeeper and you're loving and enjoying Martine's story. If you go back to June last year, I can't remember the episode. I haven't got it in front of me, but I think it was episode five or six or thereabouts. You can hear the story of Brooke Arnott, and hers is a fabulous journey, and and again is a real champion for for women in bookkeeping, yeah. as you are, Martine. And I know Jen's the same. Jen Pryor gave a fantastic uh, talk on stage at a, at a conference a couple of years ago where she called out her challenges and her journey. Yeah. So 
definitely go back and have a listen to, we'd encourage you to listen to all the, the episodes of Heart of the Bookkeeper, but certainly um, Brooks' uh, journey is, is another one that uh, is very inspiring and certainly will help many, I'm sure. But we're going we're gonna to bring this to a close, Martine, and uh, as I promised at the start, Yep. Um, we uh, we have to complete the ledger. We started with some opening balances. We've got to finish with some closing balances. So um, we're uh, we're three three questions at the start, three at the end. Right, here's the first one. Okay, and I've got four words for you. I've been referencing your uh, Facebook and your LinkedIn a, a bit today. I've got four words for you: World Naked Gardening Day. <laughs> Tell me about World. <laughs> You have got a post on your Facebook, Martine Hooson, <laughs> that calls out, come on, guys, get on it or something like that. World Naked Day. Now, I've got to ask, you're not, <laughs> get your dacks off. Yeah, so are you suggesting that maybe we could, should consider a World Naked Bookkeeping Day perhaps? I don't know. You know, I'm just throwing this Why one not? out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing, you know, a lot of middle-aged people with their bits hanging over a keyboard. I'm not sure whether it's an overly attractive picture, but why not? Well, the photo of the World Naked Gardening Day that you posted has a guy walking along in thongs. Now, it's thongs, not a thong. I'm just calling that out in thongs. And I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, I love mowing the lawn and uh, I've got to call out I like that guy's lawn, by the way. I wish I had his lawn. Um, but, but I'm a bit concerned. I mean, I struggle to make sure I keep my fingers away from the uh, the blades as they're spinning around. I'm worried about other things that might be hanging around about that time. But, uh, yeah, World Naked Gardening Day. I, that, that one definitely caught my attention. I thought, hmm, <laughs> not sure, especially not in the middle of June here in, in Bunbury in Western Australia. A little bit cold for my liking. We've just taken Heart of the Bookkeeper to an R rating, by the way. But anyway, uh, apologies for anybody. It always happens when I'm around. Yeah, it always happens, yeah. Jen Brooke and I, I think we're a bit notorious for that. So go and check it out, folks. World Naked Gardening Day. I I saw reference to the fact that there's actually a world, a, an Australian Naked Gardening Day as well. So yes. uh, that, 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 that's something to look forward to perhaps. Uh, all right, we'll move on to question two of our closing balances. Do you have a, a podcast or a blog that you tap into or you recommend something or maybe it might be a, another webinar or whatever that you find, you know, is a bit of a go-to for you in the bookkeeping world? Ooh. Or do you prefer to, to spend time developing up your own material? I do. Look, I actually follow a number of, of blogs. I mean, most of the people in the bookkeeping world, I'm constantly, there's so many that I'm always reading their posts and following and, and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, at the moment, um, probably the one that I'm following the most is Amy Porterfield, which is obviously not not related mm. to bookkeeping so much. No, um, no but no. that's that's one that I'm I'm quite into at the moment. But um, there, I've actually got so many, whether in the in the bookkeeping industry that I'm following, I can't even even call someone off the top of my head that. Um, yeah. Well, it's so it's it's. I only saw a stat this morning. There's something like there's there's millions of podcasts now, for example, that are out there that you can tune into. You know, you dive into yeah. Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, and you can search up anything um, these days. Um, but certainly, I, I mean, I, I obviously resonate to 
the LinkedIn blogs and and that that many in our community are doing. And like you say, um, it's probably a good approach to just be across a number of things because there'll be something that will pop up that will go, oh, that's, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's gold. Yeah. That that can absolutely work for me. And, yeah, again, I'll call it out. Um, your LinkedIn blog around end of financial year, uh, I'd recommend everybody go and have a look at that if you haven't and um, uh, some really, really good stuff in there. So we're going to finish with that. We're actually going to finish with that. Okay. We are in June. We're in we're in June of 2022. What is your number one tip for end of financial year for those tuning in? <sighs> I think you kind of already referenced it a little bit earlier, but I did. What, what would you what would you say? What is one thing that you would go if you're a bookkeeper? Doesn't matter if you're an employed bookkeeper or you're a bookkeeper in practice or whatever. What's the number one thing to to consider when it comes to end of financial year amongst so many? Your own mental health and sanity. Because yeah. above all that, that's what's most important. So yep. you have to take care of yourself. You have to yep. take those breaks. You have to go easy on yourself. Um, I Every year in all the forums and, you know, we see it every year, people are get high in our industry, get so stressed and you can sort of almost feel the anxiety coming through their comments and the various forums that are out there. And um, you can just feel their their worry and their stress. And I think we really need to give ourselves a break. And um, I'll go back to my tip about communication. Um, yep. But you have to you have to be kind on yourself and take care of yourself above everything else because you know. It's, just, it's work and, yes, it's, it's work is important and, yes, it's our livelihoods, but if you don't have your own health and your own mental well-being, it's very hard to have anything else. So you just take care of yourself. Fantastic way to finish this, Martine. This whole interview has been inspiring for me to listen to. You've got a wonderful story. Um, you haven't called it out once because I know you're, you're modest, but for those who don't know, Martine's recently been named as one of the top 50 women in accounting in 2021 here in Australia. Um, I know, again, as she called out before, she probably doesn't feel like she's worthy, but I can tell you now um, there's many of us who observe from afar and, and I think your story in this podcast alone calls out why you are in you know, one of the best in our industry because you've come from such a, a difficult position, one that perhaps you could have just thrown your hands in the air and said, this is all too hard, and yet you've fought hard, you've seen opportunity, you've grabbed it, but most importantly now you're using that opportunity to inspire other women to have that financial freedom uh, conversation that you spoke about and also um, that, that strength to continue on, even though there may be some times and there may be some listening in right now who are in the depths of some difficult times, uh, I suspect your message is hang in there. You can come out the other end. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely you can. And if you're struggling, I'm always around. There's a lot of us around that you can reach out to. 
beautiful. I was hoping you would say that, that, um, you know, the sort of connections that you've created, we've called out with Brooke and Jen and, and others in Perth, whatever region you're in in Australia, we have our ICB network groups. We have a number of different forums that you can reach out and certainly I know that uh, you have that willingness to, to take that call as well if somebody is listening in and, and struggling in that respect. Martine, thank you so much for your, your story today. As I said, it's it's truly inspiring. Uh, you're you're an amazing role model for for women in 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 accounting and 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 uh, in the financial services, but more in particular with this podcast in the bookkeeping community. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Continue to do, and uh, and I'll let you now uh, go and enjoy your kids and your family and the sport that you you've got to get get to. So uh, I'll give Rob. you the last word. Thanks, Rob. It's been a real pleasure. What a powerful and significant episode that we've been able to capture this time around in episode 16 of Heart of the Bookkeeper. We are so privileged to have had your story today, Martine. And again, we want to thank you for your brave and willing way that you have brought that to us. And we look forward to you as the listener tuning in again in our next episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper, episode 17. And as we call out, and we truly mean it, we love your heart.